Nothing brings people together like La Ventanita, the walk-up windows where Miami meets to drink Cuban coffee and swap stories. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald food editor. At La Ventanita, we'll talk with some of the world's best chefs to get a window into their lives while sharing some strong Cuban coffee and traditional Cuban snacks, pastelitos and croquetas. I can't tell you all the trouble I got in. Basically, I told my parents at 14 that I will not go to school anymore. Daniel Balud is curious. He's intrigued with what makes Cuban coffee so unique the second we sit down. This curiosity is what has made Balud one of the greatest living French chefs. It's not enough that he owns 15 restaurants around the world. He's not out to master food, but to understand it. And he was eager to dissect Cuban pastelitos and croquetas when we sat down at his Miami restaurant, Boulud Sud. We're gonna make a trip to Europe together. We'll go to France and speak only French, and okay. you'll take me to Spain and speak only Spanish. If you go to any Cuban party, yeah. what you're gonna find is this box in the middle of the table uh -huh. with these Cuban pastries. And everybody now, look for it. Oh, everybody looks out for the pastries. Yeah, yeah, the, pa the pastries, uh -huh. croquetas, and of course, the one thing that they'll make three, four times during the party is Cuban coffee. So I, brought you, so I brought you a little Cuban. I know you've had some uh, coffee already today. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a nice way to just have a little chat. And I think it's a good wake up, uh, wake up call, the Cuban coffee. Okay, okay. <laughs> and it is early, so like this is the yeah. but my first meal of the day. So una colada. Ooh. So we'll have that. And then, uh, then kind of go from there. You know the secret for the Cuban coffee? Uh, what is the... What is the secret to the Cuban coffee? Are you going to tell me or you want me to try to tell no, I you? I want you to tell oh me. Oh my God, now he's on. Uh, well, for me, I think, I think that the, the major difference between the espresso is, is getting those, the, the sugar and just the first few drops of yes. espresso yeah. and whipping it together, creating that paste that, uh, uh -huh. and then creating that simple syrup, that almost coffee-flavored simple right, syrup. Right, right, right. And then it dissipates and it gets, it gets just infused throughout the whole uh -huh. coffee. I've never done it, that sort of like few first drop and then whip it. But oh. I'm going to try to do it today. Uh, I was talking with Jose Andres and he was saying that he, when he comes to Miami, he tries to, he tries to get to one of the coffee shops before, yeah. first uh, thing. before he jumps to another plane. Absolutely. Oh. First call is a Cuban coffee. Thank voilà. you. Thank you. Cheers. Chef. Cheers. Mm. Did you put rum? No. It's amazing. Huh? You see the, the sugar cane and, the, I mean, and the, the, the sugar give you that almost like it feels like it, there's rum in it. Your, your palate is so refined. Like when you taste something like this, does the sugar blow it out for you or, do you, or are you oh, able to pick up those things? No, no, no. I mean, I taste the coffee very much, but I think that complex combination with the... Uh, and it's only two things, sugar and coffee, right? But uh, very unique. That's like going to get me running... All day, like crazy. <laughs> well, we got more. I'll take you, more, yeah. You'll take a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. What, mm. are you a coffee guy? Do you I'm like... I'm a crazy coffee guy. Yeah. I, I okay. drink too much coffee, actually. But I think I'm going to... Every Sunday, I'm going to make a little Cuban coffee for myself. I don't think I can take this one every day, but... What's your morning... What's your breakfast look like? Is breakfast, breakfast is uh, very religious in my home. Uh -huh. First, we have breakfast with the kid. I mean, I have the privilege to not have my kid going to school too early yet. Right. So we can have breakfast together. So weekday, it's always cereal uh, in many different ways. Either it's a porridge or it's a um, it's a granola or, or other cereal with yogurt or fruit, fresh fruits uh -huh. always, or stewed fruit. And uh, an egg every morning, a farm eggs. Okay. 
Is that uh, is that how you like? How, you, this is your son, right? Your, yes, your my son, son, four and a half, four, four and a half year old, What's and, his name? and he loves Julian. Julian, and he loves eggs, and so yeah. we have our ritual with the eggs as well because it's a four and a half minute eggs where, you know, it's just like the white is perfectly set, but the yolk is still runny and warm. Do you eat it like in a little eggs, a little egg cup? Of course, and you scoop yeah, like out? a la coque. And what a uh, nice tradition, because so, yeah. you doesn't have to go to school, so you can kind of, uh, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. And uh, very important. And then on weekend, we do the, um, we do the uh, eggs in, uh, in a brioche. Uh, the, you know, uh, we, we have a brioche slice, and then we crack the eggs in it. Uh, uh, how do you call that? Toad in a boat? How oh, yeah, to- toad in a hole. Toad and all, right, yeah, yeah. Right. the eggs, and uh, and that because he like to cook, so we cook that together. Is he aware of like that? Dad, dad cooks for a living. Yeah, is he aware? Of but that? very soon we're gonna switch. We're gonna start to go, you know, into a more exotic breakfast. I think I'm gonna mm. making. Uh, you know, I I think soon I can make uh, huevo ranchero. So oh, that's nice. <laughs> some other breakfast specialty where. I'm sure he's going to enjoy that. Are you excited to cook for your son? No, no, absolutely. Plus, I live right above the restaurant in New York. So I I live the floor above the restaurant. So he's always coming to the kitchen, saying high five to all the chefs in the kitchen. And I go home and we cook together. He kind of like sneak in to the kitchen and see what's going on. So it's, it's getting it early. That, you know, compare that to the experience of you growing yeah. up as a kid. How as a kid, up? I was always in the kitchen at home. Okay. I enjoyed being in the kitchen, and I guess I became a chef maybe by this love of being in the kitchen and, you know, helping peeling vegetables, cleaning uh, things, and, uh, and, uh, and being interested by food. Was that, who's the cook in your house? Who's the... Oh, it was my grandmother, it was my mother. Uh, even my father loved to bake. He baked breads. He, he liked really? to make smoked salmon. He liked to make ham. So oh my God! Well, that, that, that's like a requisite mm-hmm. French trait, right? Like you have to <laughs> you have to cook something. You can't be. You can never say that you're a person who doesn't know how to cook. Oh yeah, that's I mean, a good checklist. Yeah, exactly. If you're not interested to sit down for four hours at the table and you don't care about food, you don't come to my home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is absolutely no distraction from. You know, either phone or TV or anything. It's right. just like the family. Oh, and we are wow. a big family. Just uh, my parents and my brother and sister, plus all their children and grandchildren right. of my parents um, and great-grandchildren, uh, we are about 35, 40. Wow, that's like a Cuban yeah. family. That's like a, a... Exactly. How often do you get together and what are those get-togethers like? Oh, we were together in June, uh, in July this year. Oh, okay. I was celebrating my parents' 90th birthday. 90? So, 90. 90. Your dad is 90? Yeah. There's a chateau in my village, so we rented the chateau. We were, I think, 75 people wow. with all the children and all that. What is your pièce de résistance? For the Cuban party, it's, a, it's if you roast a pig. My dad, yeah. all he wanted for his 90th was for me to roast him a pig. So yeah, I, no, no, that makes sense. I would have roasted a pig, but uh, we, did, uh, we did a ribeye, uh, oh. cut the buff. Okay. So you take the ribeye, you make very thick steak with it, and they were roasted, uh, cut the buff à la française. So that was very good. But then we had also um, a loup de mer before, and we started with a 
uh, a balotin, which is kind of a terrain of, of uh, poulard, okay. chicken, and foie gras, and crayfish, because crayfish is the season in spring, and it's a classic sort of recipe. And I have a young chef in Lyon, my hometown, mm -hmm. who has a small restaurant called Le Supreme, and I'm a partner with him in that restaurant. So I asked him to cook the first course, and then the other chef cooked the other course. Oh, wonderful. Oh, what a so nice I was show. just advising on what I like. I didn't cook that day, but that was, but that was a great celebration. And uh, my daughter, I have an older daughter who just got married as well. So it was kind of a family celebration there about the wedding coming up and all that. So it was good. What is your older daughter's name? Alex. Alex. Now, did Alex like to cook as well growing up? Or? Uh, yeah, but she's not as good of a cook. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> as she could have been. Oh, my God. She's good. I mean, she... But I think she had other aspirations in life. Sure. <laughs> but I bet you if you put her in a kitchen with ingredients... Oh, she can. She can make something... Yeah, yeah. she uh, used to... She loved to bake cookies for friends and... No pressure, though. You're Daniel Balud's daughter. And, you haven't... And uh, now that she just got married, she's maybe going back to the kitchen. Now she's more interested, especially... keep her husband happy. <laughs> and also, when it's just the two of you, and you're like, you know, I don't want to eat out every day. It would be nice to have something that, you know, Absolutely. you stay at home and you cook... You know, there's nothing no, like cooking at home, there's nothing more important than that. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I just, uh, I mean, in my house, even if I live above the restaurant, when we entertain with friends and all that, we do everything from scratch at home, and uh, it's, always, uh, uh, it's always the preparation, I think, to me, is half of the pleasure of having friends at home. Right. I think uh, being, taking the time, planning the menu, planning the, uh, the, the, the food and um, preparation and, and then the wine. The wine is very important. All right. In, uh, Tell me about in entertaining. that. How do, you, how do you go about selecting wines for events like for, for family get-togethers? I like to drink well. I don't throw a party every day, so I can have a good bottle of wine. So I like Burgundy, Rhone. I usually tend to have French wine. Okay. But... Also, sometimes, you know, American, Spanish, depends the wine uh, uh, I have available and what vantage it is and if I'm interested in Italian. Uh, I mean, I'm very open with that. Oh, uh, even German wine during certain time of the year where I have also some German friend and uh, I know he loves his Riesling and all that, so we open great German wine. Oh, that's good. So you, uh -huh. you have little things for your friends, knowing who's coming over yeah. and what, what will they like. A chef at the end of the day is someone who leads this, this party much. at their house, uh -huh. right? And that's kind of what you do on a, small, on a larger scale is what it, you do at home. It's important. And, uh, of course, if it's a very rare vintage, uh, let's say it's the birth year of someone in your family or something, then you don't want too many people. Right, just, right. <laughs> I think you want to share the, bit, the bottle with one, two, maybe three or four people right, maximum. Right. <laughs> when your kids <laughs> were born, did you buy a, a vintage for their birth years? And yeah. You did. What, did you, have, what did you get for each one of them? Uh, for my daughter, she was born in '89. Uh, okay. So uh, I got uh, quite a lot of uh, Bordeaux uh, with that. And then uh, my. Uh, uh, my son is born in 14, right. so I'm getting, because his name is Julien, okay. so, and, and in 2014 in Bordeaux, in Saint-Julien, that's where they made maybe the best Bordeaux of all the other appellations. Okay. 
And so I'm buying some Saint-Julien 2014. Wow, for his 21st birthday. <laughs> exactly, oh you can God. have it. I'll put it in a, in a safe somewhere. <laughs> I'll start it in a storage. What um, a nice tradition. See, I'm a journalist, so I just have the newspaper cover. <laughs> yeah, and my my, I have a little daughter who was born in 17, and so the, the wine is not released yet. Uh, okay. So I'm waiting. So how old is your littlest daughter? Uh, 17 months. 17 months. And what's her name? Gigi. 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 All right. Well, yeah. we toast to, to, <laughs> to Gigi. Gigi. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I was on FaceTime with her this morning, so. Mm. Shall we check out some, some pastelitos? Yeah, let me know what you All have right. here. So we have um, guava, uh, cheese, wow. and meat. And also we have croquetas, which you'll Perfect. find at every party. So like, the, you know, this is classic filo dough, layers of filo dough, guava inside, uh, one are just like a, like a cream cheese, and the other ones are like a spiced beef, almost like a picadillo. I love it. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start uh, with savory? Do you want to start with sweet? Do you want to try a croqueta? Uh, we're going to start with a savory. Huh? Okay. That's, yeah, we're going to start with the savory. You have a knife? Um, I'm sure maybe. we have a knife. Yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. going to tear into it with my hands, so that just tells oh, me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uncouth. I think we should tear it with our hand, but... I am the ugly American right now. Mm. Beef? Beef. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are yeah, they kind of like a, like a glazed top. And this, and this is from Carlo Bakery. Carlo Bakery is one of the places that's, it's a very small chain. They've only had like three places, and they've been around kind of for a very long time in mm -hmm. Miami. It's one of those really mom and pop places. What, oh, you, I love it. what are your first impressions of that? I never had the full tasting. I had mm. the croquetas. And I love it. Sweet. Savory. The dough is perfectly cooked. Mm. I think it's the perfect balance of sweet and savory. You taste the sweet, you taste the savory. There's the sweet savory. This is a cheese pastelito, and mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's basically it's a, another, another puff pastry, cheese inside, but this is more kind of like a long cylindrical shape, crispy on the outside. Yeah. Mm. Let's try a piece of this here. But they don't put any curcuma or any um, coloring. Mm. Of, as far as I know, like no. Like a natural roots or... As far as I know, no. Mm -hmm. But that sounds like a good idea if you wanted to do that. I love it. I yeah. mean, look at this layering. I mean, and you see it's phyllo, or it's only phyllo yeah. inside, huh? It's only phyllo as far as I as far you as see, I the, see, the French would have put puff pastry in it. That's very cool. Are you a classic guy? Or do you like the, uh, you obviously appreciate the classics as a, as a classically trained chef, but... Do you like to riff off, or you do you appreciate when something is uh, is just done a certain way? I, I do both. I I love to do the classic down to the authenticity of a classic, mm -hmm. or riff off, and that we do a lot in uh, at Restaurant Daniel or many of my restaurants where it's really the foundation, the DNA of the classic, but um, prepared and presented in a in a more contemporary way, in a more uh, lighter way sometimes right. also. Some of the classic, they used to be a little heavy on the... Mm. Did you add cheese? You want some? Uh, yeah, I'll take a piece of that one. Yeah, there's a piece of the cheese in I there. I mean, I didn't rip it up, oh. but uh, <laughs> the knife worked well. You know, it's so funny. What, is, what, what is the cheese inside? You know, I don't know. You tell me. What do you think, or what do you think they're mixing in there? It's like a cottage cheese a little bit, mm -hmm. huh? or ricotta. It's kind of got a ricotta texture to it. Like a ricotta, it. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Growing up, these were my favorite because the cheese itself has that saltiness. Oh, and then yeah. you have the, 
the glaze over the top that's got and it's granulated almost the sugar on top. Totally. I mean, they almost want the the sugar to kind of um, uh, it, it. They don't want the sugar to be shiny. Mm. You don't you don't want the sugar to be shiny. You want the sugar to almost get sort of like rustic and granulated and crispy and oh, the sugar is the best on this one. Yeah. Tell me about and less sticky also. This, this way. Right. When you read it, I think it's a little less sticky. It doesn't stick to your teeth. <laughs> wow, look at those two. Though. Oh, my God. Now oh, we're reaching, reaching for a guava pastry now. Look at this, how generous it is with the guava. Yeah. And I didn't tell him that I was bringing it to Daniel Balud. <laughs> it was just a yeah, it was just off the shelf. <laughs> off the shelf. But you see, this in France, we, we do like this, we do pain au chocolat. Oh, where yes. we put a, a stick of chocolate in the middle. But I think the guava looks very good. I understand why people are in love with this. It's delicious. And there's the, the, the sugar content is not high, but it's present. Right. And I think the taste is... Well, it's very Miami. The, the guava in whatever you put is such a Miami yeah. ingredient. Yeah. You know, such a tropical uh, you, you ingredient. Won't, you won't find that in France. Right. You, you might find raspberry jam or apricot or peach. But right. <laughs> well, you were saying you have a, uh, an employee who is from the Valls family that mm -hmm. founded uh, Versailles, which is one of the famous bakeries in Miami. Um, and she works for you in, in one of your restaurants? As a, is she In New York. In New York? Mm -hmm. Wow. So but Gabriela is here today, and she's cooking tonight. Okay. She's cooking at an event here in Miami that yeah, that because be in, in, town in celebration of the IWF, Conference here, the International the Women's, Women's Federation yes. conference. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's down in town and, and cooking. So, so she's cooking in her hometown. A lot of pressure to cook in your hometown. No kidding. <laughs> so the funny thing is, I have um, four young lady chefs <clears throat> because I was coming for uh, an event with the IWF uh, conference here at the Marriott um, downtown here, mm -hmm. and so. I, um, I asked some of the young chefs who work for me to um, let's, let's go to Miami and cook together uh, a menu and let's do an event around that. So tonight we have an event and Gabriela is doing one of the course oh, wonderful. because she's working at Barbolu in New York right now. Okay. And we have also Christina who is working at Bulu Sud and Nicole who is working at uh, uh, Danielle. Okay. And Saiko was working here at Boulissud as a pastry chef. So the four of them are doing the menu. Wonderful. And uh, so Gabriela, she's excited because she's the, maybe the youngest of all the other chefs. Right. And uh, she, she's from Miami. She's from the, fa the Vals family. And uh, she's very proud to cook here right. tonight. And so her family, I think they booked two tables. They're like a dozen of people <laughs> or, or right. maybe 20. I, I think the whole... Neighborhood is coming. Oh my God! Every every bit it's going to be full of Cubans in there. You're not even going to recognize it. It's going to be so fun. Tell me about how different it is. In a, I was talking with Michelle Bernstein about mm -hmm. this when she started cooking. She was the only woman on the line in Miami. I know. Which, I you remember know, Michelle when she started. I mean, yeah, she was very courageous and and foul mouth. Always, yeah, very talented and and and. Uh, I had the chance to cook with Michelle on many occasions, mm. and uh, she always impressed me. By but think uh, about how those times were. Now you just mentioned four young women who were yeah. in all your different kitchens and restaurants. Tell me about that a little bit. How much you've seen oh, the I kitchen always, culture change? I mean, we always had uh, a great mix of 
of uh, ladies and men working in the kitchen mm -hmm. and um, and many have raised to have amazing position uh, in New York or all over the country. But uh, it's always, I mean, we always get along well and, and try to find ways to have fun and celebrate and, and do things. So, right. I mean, but they, you know, it's, uh, to me, I, as a very young chef, I worked in France, and in France we had Les Mers. So you had Mer Brasier, Mer Blanc, Mer, uh, especially Mer Guy in, in Lyon. Mm -hmm. uh, in Lyon, the, the, the town I come from was the, uh, really the, uh, where the, the mother, the mayor, were the most represented. They were basically running restaurants, and one of them, uh, during the the 30s, 40s, 50s, she had two three-star restaurants, one in the city, one outside of the city. Wow. And, uh, and I work at La Mer Blanc in, in uh, Vonas, which is north of Lyon. And uh, it, was very, it was very interesting to be led by women. La Mer Blanc, it was like very kind and family, it was like a family-oriented of feeling. I, I came from a restaurant where it was also very strict and sure. like the brigade and there were no women in the kitchen to La Mer Blanc where suddenly there is a woman leading the kitchen and the assistants and the lady who has done the specialty there for the last 30 years in the kitchen still. Wow. So it was to me it was one of the most interesting experience because uh, it was a different set of uh, it was a different set of ambiance and, and, and goal. I think the soul was more deep, I will say, in that. It was less about uh, reaching... Um, I mean, I think the perfection was reached through the, this, 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 not only the simplicity, but the, uh, the real soul in the food. Interesting. So if you felt like, if you felt like you were eating around your mother's yeah. table, that was well, the... yeah. But I don't think my mother well. was as good of a cook, <laughs> as, even if I, right. And this is so good. Isn't guava. that the guava thing? Is is uh, it, you know, we we're used to it because it's something that we grew up with. But it's such a nice treat because yeah. it's it's not something that you find every day. So which one do you take for breakfast? I usually like a café con leche. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with another journalist about this the other day. She's uh, a German journalist. She was having a café au lait. And I said, well, I'm having a café con leche. She's like, what's the difference? I said, well, just taste mine. And she tasted it, and it's, she says, what is the difference? And it's because it was sweetened. And I said, I didn't put any sugar in it, but it's made with Cuban yeah, coffee that already course. has yeah, yeah. that, mm -hmm. that, that kind of almost caramelization flavor. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you don't sweeten it afterwards. So it's, you know, if you start with one of those, and then if I have like a pastry, like if I have a guava pastry, mm -hmm. That's a great way to start the day. Totally. Uh, do you want to give me, are you a fan yeah. of all of croquetas? It's very one note. The croquetas is almost like a, the party finger. These are filled with them. If you weren't, if you weren't looking at them, mm. it looks like a little, uh, it looks like a, a mozzarella stick, basically. On the inside. I'm going to make some for my mother. I'm going to ask Gabriela, the recipe of the Versailles croquetas. I'm sure they make them. Well, I don't think she's allowed to tell you. I think she'll tell you, but then she has to kill you. So, yeah, that's what you told me. 
between the uh, between the coffee mm. and the sugar. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm totally uh, hyped with this one. <laughs> See, that's like you're having the Miami mm. moment. And you come up to the window, you ask for dos croquetas, yeah, and um, and a cortadito usually or a, or a cafecito, and it's like that's like the that's the fuel that keeps people going. Absolutely. Usually between between meals. Plus, there's the sun we eat you. <laughs> it's like a real Miami moment. Real you, Miami? you do the same thing in New York in December, it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> no, you'd be frozen. <laughs> you can't have a window. You open a window and it's like all of a sudden you're, you're, you're a snowman. Mm -hmm. hmm. What is the food? This, this reminds me of growing up. Like I said, this was at every party. What, what, is there a food that reminds you that you show up with or that you always expect to find that's a simple food in your growing up? Absol absolutely. I mean, for me... The food we love, hot or cold, mm -hmm. uh, for example, is saucisson en brioche. So it's a pork sausage with pistachio and truffle inside. Okay. And it's wrapped in a brioche. It's cooked, it's poached, it's cold, then wrapped in a brioche and baked again. And then you slice it. And you have that beautiful sausage, almost like a garlic sausage uh -huh. type, but no garlic, but the pistachio and the... And, and then the brioche, the beautiful golden brioche, like, you know, it's as enjoyable. So it's all savory, but it's delicious. And right. that's something you can easily do. You can also buy the saucisson, uh -huh. make the brioche and do it, and, and bring that to someone. It's always a nice thing. It's a nice thing. Of course, the French, we love pâté, terrine, and uh, any pâté en croûte. The savory things, we do a lot of things with cheese as well. Cheese and puff pastry. So puff pastry is often the dough we use. More than phyllo or more than other type of dough. I mean, you can play a lot with it. I mean, of course. Very flexible and green, yeah. yeah. And we put anchovy inside and we put olives or we put a, a cheese or ham. Yeah, or no, Ham I, and cheese and olives together. I know. Now I'm getting hungry for something else. I'm like, it's getting me ready for lunch. You are now curating this. You're carrying around this knowledge, you know, of... That you know that, that now younger chefs are learning from you, younger cooks, whole generations are learning from chefs such as yourself. Well, I'm uh, first. I'm always excited to keep learning, uh -huh. <laughs> and of course, transmitting it's something very important also. And to that, uh, we have been working very hard uh, about 12 years ago with Thomas Keller mm -hmm. and with uh, Jérôme Bocuse and many of the American chefs we have created a foundation called Mentor. And Mentor is about mentoring young chefs. Okay. And helping young chefs becoming greater chefs. Give, give me the acronyms again. What's the... What's the M-E-N-T-O-R. M-E-N-T-O-R, okay. For mentorship. And oh, awesome. uh, so uh, Mentor, we, we do fundraising. We raise money to give uh, grants to young chefs. We are working in restaurants, and they have to apply and have a, a compelling presentation in order to earn a grant. And that grant will help them be able to keep their job and be paid for three months or one month, two months, or three months, and to travel the world and choose the restaurant they want to stage and then come back to their job again. Wow. And so that we have done. So far, we have gave... I think one and a half million dollar of grants. Wow, that's uh, incredible. So it's nice and it's helping the next generation. What were you like as a kid? Were you, uh, did, were you ornery? Did you get into trouble? Were you a good, were I you a good? <laughs> were you I, a I can't tell you all the trouble I got in, but <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, 
basically, I told my parents at 14 that I will not go to school anymore. Wow. And uh, that I wanted to cook. And so they were a little panicked with me. And so they put me into a small college near the side of town where we were living uh, in the countryside. And I went to that culinary college. Okay. Uh, and uh, it was actually a high school, culinary high school. Sure. And uh, within three weeks, I told my parents I don't want to be there anymore because the teacher there was so bad. Uh, I felt the food was worse than at home. And how am I going to learn anything if the food is not even good? Oh, my God. <laughs> so you had, such a, you had such a culinary opinion at that point. At, at I that think age. so. I mean, I don't, I don't tweet cold clearly, but I know that I wanted to quit so bad because my parents were farmers, okay. and we were making beautiful things all the time to sell to the farmer's market, cheese and, and, and all kind of, you know, from chicken to duck to squab to... Guinea hen to turkey and, and baby goats and all that, and then vegetables and uh, charcuterie. So people were very sensitive to all the things we were making, and we had amazing people buying our product. And one of them was a Contessa living in my village. Wow, okay. And when my parents told her, you know, we don't know what to do with Danielle, he don't want to go to school, and he wants to be a cook, uh, she said, well, let me find him the best restaurant for him to work in. And, and she went around and asked all the two-star and three-star Michelin restaurants around Lyon. And she found one, a two-star who could take me, and that's when I started. So if it wasn't for you being such a pain in the ass as a kid, <laughs> you would never have gotten into then, going immediately to a two-star restaurant. And then I started to live by myself at 14 wow. in Lyon and going home once a week. And so I moved from a two-star to a three-star, then another three-star, then another three-star. And I what did an my Tour de France as a <laughs> right. young chef. And at 25, I came to America. That's incredible because it, it sounds like you almost went to, like, here, but they used to threaten kids, I'm going to send you to military school. <laughs> but being in a kitchen back in those days was like being uh, in military that school. That was worse than military, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so you came here at 25. I mean, still, by uh, a lot of 25-year-olds now are just trying to figure out what they're doing for a living. And at that point, you had been cooking for over 10 years. Exactly. And so I arrived there as a chef. I was already a chef. I think uh, my first executive chef job was I was about 23. Wow. And uh, that was in Denmark. I lived in Denmark for about two and a half years, two years. Okay. Uh, before I came to America. I think the one I loved the most of all the chefs I worked with was Michel Guérard in the southwest of France, where we were in a remote place in the southwest, but this beautiful oasis of a resort. It's not, it was not a resort. It was a small hotel, a spa, and a, a, a beautiful three-star restaurant. And I think the sensibility, the care, the respect, and the passion in that restaurant I think made me think a lot about the pleasure of being in that business. Well, Chef Daniel, I appreciate you taking the time Thank out. Thank you, Carlos. You're the best. No, I mean. no. I'm, I'm glad that I was able to show you something a little bit. That's, this is very Miami. We made a mess out of all no, this. No, that's good. But now you got to tell your hey, I'm Gabriella. Gonna, I, yeah, I'm going to take that to the kitchen and show... Uh, have a little piece with everyone yeah, there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Take yeah. it to them and... and uh, 
and tell them, let's see, let's see your version. Let's see the, the balloon version of, yeah. uh, of these we're gonna, pastries. We're going we're gonna to do uh, those croquetas uh, and pastries. And you show, tell Gabriela that she has to show you how they do their, their coffee. Oh, she's going to make some today for yeah, me. Oh, for yeah, for sure. If not, I'll go back there and, yeah. we'll, and we'll do we'll that. We'll do that. Hope you've got some coffee left because we've got more for you. You can watch videos of these chefs and read more about their lives at our website. Go to miamiherald.com forward slash ventanita. That's V-E-N-T-A-N-I-T-A. And while you're there, please consider subscribing to the Miami Herald for more of our James Beard award-winning food coverage. La Ventanita was produced by Matias Ochner and me at the Miami Herald. Julio Alvarez mixed the show. Music is by Haim Mazar. Special thanks to Danielle Balud, the staff at Balud Sued in Miami, and Carla Bakery for the pastelitos. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can reach me directly at cfrias at miamiherald.com. I'm Carlos Frias. Thanks for listening.